just life. <clears throat> we'll talk about life, Kang. You're listening to your collaborative MBA podcast with David and Kang. Kang. Yo. Yo, yo. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that sometimes things don't turn out the way we want them to. But it's time. It's time, Kane. I'm here for you. Don't be embarrassed. Go ahead. Go ahead. Apologize to Dwight Howard. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I think 2020 just turns everything upside down, the world upside down. Like, uh, I don't know, presidents and prime ministers and stuff get sick. <laughs> and Dwight Howard has become a competent player in the league somehow. So, yeah, everything's like weird and just, I don't know. This is not a, an apology. Where's the apology? Dwight, How du Dwight Howard. Well, I mean, like Dwight Howard has always been someone that doesn't deserve an apology. He forced his way out, out of <laughs> so Orlando. He, he fucked up the Lakers <laughs> championship chances the first time around with Kobe. He just wandered around Houston and just was not an impact at all. And now that he's playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis, yes, he's turned his minimum contract around. So yeah, he should. He should. Uh, He's still a good NBA player, but I mean, I, I don't know if he is anything more than that. I'll say it's a bit unfair that he's going to be for the rest of his life a minimum paid player. That's That seems a bit unfair, considering his role with this championship squad. Don't let your pride get in the way, Kane. Speak from your heart. Go ahead. Apologize to Dwight. I mean, the, domin the dominating the Heat is it's like... Danny Green and KCP shoot a combined two for 40 from three-point land. And it doesn't matter because they just, they got way more size and they can just dominate and bully, bully ball their way in. And, and it doesn't matter. LeBron James just stands in the paint or at the top of the free throw line and just does whatever he wants. Tyler Hero and, and Duncan Robinson, get off me. You know, he just bullies his way <laughs> oh, in, into the paint and, and just does what he wants. He passes it, does a little pass to Anthony Davis or dunks or just, you know, and one. The idea that they're missing so many three points doesn't make a difference. I mean, Tyler Hero is a good player, but you can't guard LeBron James. It's like watching the Zion high school videos where he's like, <laughs> he's beating down these white kids that are like half his size. <laughs> They've been playing Dwight in the first quarter and the fourth quarter, or in the second half. He's part of the starting lineup. And I really think it's been super effective. He doesn't play for long stretches of the game, but to, to, to start off each game, he's in there and he just provides so much energy. And I really do mm. think he, he has really contributed in setting the tone. Yeah, there was this one play, I think it was in the first quarter, where he blocks Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler tries to drive on Dwight and Dwight blocks him. And then it's, it ignites at a fast break. I think it ends with LeBron James or Caruso. I forgot who ends it, but yeah, like he kind of sets the tone with his energy, at least um, when he's on the court. And I, I, I don't know, I don't think he does much more. He, he, re, he doesn't rebound that well, at like, you know, con compared to his prime, but given his energy, can, his defensive effort, I think it's all positives. But once again, it's, it's due to the size, it's due to LeBron James' um, playmaking skills, and Anthony Davis is, is being super aggressive. It doesn't matter really what everyone else does, as long as they kind of do their jobs at minimum, they're just too dominant. Like, there's no answer for AD and LeBron James. There's been a number of podcasts, prominent podcasters, who predicted the heat and six before the series. Bill Simmons. Oh, really? Kevin O'Connor's podcast. And what was the reason for the heat winning, like in any number of games? 
The justification is that in this series, the Lakers have the two best players. That's undisputed. But then all of them said that then the next five, six players are all on the heat. Mm. Which is it's mm, extremely okay. disrespectful. The top two players in this series, LeBron, AD. And then they said the next six players, the next six best players are all on the heat. Okay. So that's Jimmy Butler. Tyler. Tyler Hero. Uh, Gor- Gorin. Bam Adebayo. Gordon Dragic. Bam Adebayo. Um, Duncan Robinson. They're saying people. People are saying that Goran Dragic is better than any Laker player other than LeBron and AD. Is that true? Is Goran Dragic better than Rajon Rondo? Yeah, I would say so. Is he better than KCP? Yes, definitely. Is he better than Kyle Kuzma? Yes, he's definitely better than Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I would say... Uh, now that yeah, I didn't yeah, when you first said that statement, I thought maybe it's a bit ridiculous. But now that I think about it, yeah, okay, let's just say this: AD and LeBron, whatever order, they're the best two in a series. Let me think: Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic are the, the third and fourth best players, like undisputed. Goran Dragic was the leading scorer, second leading scorer. They got Bam, Bam for sure, yeah. Uh, that's number five. Um, and then I think in that mix, you got Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Rajan Rondo. And Duncan Robinson's better. Duncan Robinson's better than the third best Lakers player. No, 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 no. I'm just naming the people in that mix for the sixth and seventh spot. I'm, 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 I listed four names. So Rajan Rondo, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Kuzma, and Tyler here. I would say probably. I would say like just considering how they're playing right now. Yeah, Rajan Rondo is probably the sixth best player. Because we're not talking about. Who's got the better future? Who's who should have the better career? Yeah, I know, I know. Who's playing coming into the finals? Who would you rather have right now? And yeah, you can't I tell me Rondo. you can't tell me Duncan Robinson is better than Rajon Rondo or Kuzma. Actually, no, maybe he's definitely no, better no, than Kuzma. Well, Kuzma to me is I, I know this, he's the perfect example of why the Lakers are so much better than the Heat. Because Kuzma can play like shit. He can make passes over his head to nobody. <laughs> and no one cares. Because and like I said, KCP and and Danny Green, you can pull this up. He they shot a total of two made three pointers in game two. Just two between one each. Or three or three together, like between them. And they still win by over ten. If any team is shooting shit in the fi- against a finals oppo- like worthy opponent, um, they're not gonna win if they're not shooting well from three point. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen. They shoot badly from three, but they were shooting like 30% from three point and they still win by 10 points. That only happens because they're getting offensive rebounds, they're getting second chances, they're getting steals, they're more aggressive uh, and, and they're scoring the free th- the layups and dunks easily. Like that's the reason why they're so dominant. You know, that's, that's it. They don't have to shoot well. They don't have to have Kyle Kuzma bank a one, one-legged three point like fade away. Classically, and traditionally, the best player of the series will win. And I know in the prison of the moment, people are going to look short term and say, look, look at Toronto team. They were deeper and they survived. You know, they didn't have any injuries, obviously, but the Warriors are very um, like they had a much shorter rotation in compared to the Raptors and they suffered. I mean, they suffered three injuries. So what more can you do? But like, you know, the Raptors were deeper and they won the championship. And people look at that and say, look, you need a deeper team. But the year before that, we saw Toronto as a very deep team 
and they, they they got swept or you know whatever to the Cavaliers who are a very star dominated team you know they only had uh three stars and everyone else were just comprised of minimum players and stuff like that if any like you saw with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love in 2015 if those guys go down then you don't you're not going to have much depth and you have to promote Delhi or um I don't know who they are Richard Jefferson to the to the starting rotation you know like it stars is what wins the league and I don't care if AD and LeBron is the definite best two and then the rest the the next six or seven best players of the heat because the difference between Jimmy Butler who is probably a top 15 player and AD who's a top three player is gigantic Mm. the difference between the 15th best player and then the 50th best player it's it's pretty small like it's it's still a gap for sure because that's a difference between all-star and our NBA starter it's it's good gap but the difference between NBA, NBA All-Star starter and an MVP candidate is humongous. That's a golf where like, everyone can play at that level. Everyone's talented. Everyone's an automatic All-Star. But can they, will the, can they win and will the team by themselves? And Anthony Davis has a bit, a bit in ability to show that because he's been an MVP consideration in the past as a Pelican. And of course, LeBron's done it. So Jimmy Butler has never been in that conversation despite him being a great player, but he's not at the level of NAD and 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 um, LeBron James. And also, give him a lot of credit. He did carry this this Heat franchise all the way to the finals as the franchise player. So he's going to get a lot of love this off off season and you know future because he's the dude. He's the man of this team, and he carried this team to the NBA Finals. But against LeBron James and AD, it's just not enough. He he and he's hobbled as well, unfortunately. So like. There's only so much one man can do. Um, and if your second best player and your third best player, Bam and Goron, is out, that just is a recipe for disaster. I'm sorry. Like, this is LeBron's easiest finals. Um, and he deserves it because he's had hot, tough finals in the past, you know? He had to beat a 73 win team and you had to win, and Ray Allen bailed him out, but he had to, they had to win a game six to force a game seven in, in Miami. So, like, this one's going to be much easier to win, but. He, he's had like mammoth challenges before gets an easy run this time around I, I don't think anyone should kind of be looking at this like oh he didn't deserve ring number four because of how easy this path was double asterisk championship double asterisk double special because what we've seen here why is lebron able to succeed why are the lakers playing well it's because of mental toughness and that matters yeah that's a skill that's that's a skill doesn't that, that doesn't translate to how well you shoot. It's about being able to perform on the big stage in the right moment under pressure. And that's why I'm saying LeBron has been able to carry this team better than a Boston, better than the Clippers. Yeah, look at Miami. Look how well they did. They only lost three games entering the finals. And it's because of the mental fortitude of that organization led by Riley, Spolstra, and Butler. That's right. They're not, they, won't, they won't be in the finals without the fucking mental like, you know, fortitude that they're able to carry. That organization, it's, it's almost like a boot camp, right? It's military style. Mm. Mm. In a bubble situation. And that's what Jimmy likes. It's about discipline. It's about repetition. That should be recognized. Well, yeah, they, he deserves. He deserves all the, you know, the accolades that he's getting. Finals MVP, fourth ring. He he deserves it all. Like he shouldn't be, it shouldn't be asterisks against him. It should be asterisks for him. Um, but you know, having said that, it is the this is the easiest opponent he's ever faced in the finals. Well, 
the mm. Heat in terms of talent. The Heat in terms of talent did not stack up against the Mavs, who had a generational talent in Dirk. They don't have, you know, young, like, future franchise MVPs like the Thunder, on which they beat in five. You know, like, this, this Heat team doesn't really have... Like, the best player is a 29-year-old or 30-year-old player. You know what I mean? That The Lakers have the two best players. But if you tell me the next five, the next 67 players are all on the Heat, then... I don't think that's an easy opponent. I don't. I really, really don't think that's yeah, an easy opponent. Yeah, but two, two, oh, yeah, of the, two of the top three are true. out. So <laughs> okay, that, good that, point. That's what I'm saying. Right. So luck, it's all. It's a lot of luck involved as well. Like, don't get me wrong. That's not a strike against the Lakers, but it's luck. It's injuries. It's all these things that are helping the Lakers. And LeBron's benefiting this time around because in the past he suffered from those things where his injuries have taken away from his team, um, and you know. I guess the unluckiness of you know having the versus seventy three win team or you know a stacked Warriors team. Should Dwight get a special award for having a Adonis build and taking out Bam Adebayo? <laughs> Bam literally injured if, himself hey, running to. If that's what it took to win the finals. Do you see that play that he got injured? Like he ran into Dwight and got injured. That was another pretty like wild tweet you had that got that kind of blew up. Oh my god, but what do you think? I mean, this, this is why I, I don't want to... We've talked good. a lot good. about Dwight in the couple last couple of weeks, but this is what I've been always saying. If you put someone that has basketball IQ, that has basketball knowledge and experience, and have a body like Dwight, good things will happen, okay? I just don't... I refuse to believe that Dwight is washed up as long as he's not injured, as long as he's on the floor. I just feel like, of course, this guy is going to be valuable. I think I might have made that assumption he's a bit washed up but i wouldn't say to the point that he doesn't deserve to be an nba player i guess i will will always kind of attest that he's washed up to the point that he can help your team you know if you're going to pay him 18 million dollars for two two years he's not that type of dude he's going to be a role player he's a bench player he's some guy that will give you some type of energy but you need to surround him with guys that can pick him up as well and there's not that many people in the in the league that can pick him up like lebron james can right so it's a special situation, and of course it's a special situation. There's less distractions um, around him, so he can focus on basketball. And like you said, he's in the ch- this is his first finals. Of course he's going to be focused and locked in. And he wants to win that, win that ring. It, if there's anyone that, you know, people doubt the Hall of Fame candidacy more, it's like, that shouldn't be doubted, it's Dwight. Like, Dw- Dw- Dwight is already a uh, shoe-in for a Hall of Fame, but I don't know why people cast doubt on that you know like he's a he's an automatic def- for his work in orlando he's he already like if he retired then he would have made the hall of fame but you know. which which work the his previous work or his current orlando work <laughs> oh yeah true yeah both right he, yeah, he's, both. Yeah, just <laughs> the prophecies were true dwight's bring the chip to la <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, i have to admit i have enjoyed watching Dwight a lot in this playoff run. And it's like what you said. No, you're right. You're right. You can't, don't expect Dwight to, to score. Don't, don't ask him to score. He can't score anymore. He never could score, really, even as prime. Uh, but as someone that just runs up and down the court, as a big body, as someone that is active mm. on defense. Athletic. Even though sometimes he misreads the situation and misreads the offense. But just having someone that's as as athletic still as Dwight it's a benefit it's a benefit if he's a minimum mm. player it's a, certainly a benefit if you're literally paying like 200k 
with like a non-guaranteed contract. This oh, is yeah. incredible pickup. I'm not expecting him to get double doubles, but guess what? Guess what? By being energetic like that, he's basically getting he's he's scoring. He's getting cheap baskets. Yeah, but like we're saying with the Heat and the Lakers organization, you need the mental fortitude, and Dwight has lacked that passion and motivation in the past when he's played for Washington. And he's played for Charlotte, or I don't know even what teams he's played for now. But you know, when he was like jumping around team to team, he didn't have the passion. He didn't care. He was getting paid a lot of money. You know, he wasn't all in. You know, he wasn't locked in like he has been in this finals run with the Lakers. So you say don't expect to pay him. You know, a lot of money to score points. It's not even that. You can't expect him to be injury free and 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 focus for an entire 82 games plus playoffs if you consider him to be a top three player in your team hmm. um i mean that's where the lakers are they're happy they got this pickup he's a minimum paid player but i don't know if any gm is going to be paying him like you know giving him bags of money this offseason for him to be like some kind of answer at center he's not an answer at center i think it's for dwight it's more that if you would like to continue playing, then he can still be on the Lakers on a minimum contract. Or if they win a chip yeah. and he wants to retire, this is the best way. He essentially... I think he wants to keep playing for sure. He still loves the game, I think. Yeah, so in which case, you know, be part of a winning situation. It's LA, what's not mm. to like? Now, mm. before we move on from the Lakers, I have to ask you one thing. One thing I've noticed watching Dwight is that he has absolutely no touch with the basketball. Like when he, when he tries to shoot... It looks like he's just like fucking throwing a tennis ball <laughs> at the net. <laughs> and and contrast that to Anthony Davis, who's, you know, equally tall. He's a big guy. But Anthony, Anthony Davis has such a soft touch. It's incredible. How about Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan was like that too. Or Dirk. Exactly. Obviously, Dwight's been in the league for so long and that was never taught. Like, he just can't learn it. We're a shack. They just can't do it for whatever reason. I'm impressed, yeah. I mean, AD is a generational talent. I mean, we know that. Um, it, it was always a question of, like, can he lead a team? Can he be aggressive at the times when you need him? Can you, you rely on him in the, you know, in the clutch moments to hit a shot and, and win you the ball game? He's done those things from time to time, but hasn't been consistent. I think it having LeBron on your team kind of helps you with that development and helps you put in the right mindset of where you need to be in these moments because LeBron James has been through it all. So I think this will be such a great moment when LeBron eventually hands the keys to LA if AD stays in LA, I assume so. Um, and it'll be AD's team and AD will know how to lead this team and carry on that Kobe, you know, that Mamba legacy, you know, but it, it never was consistent enough in New Orleans. And I think, yeah, I think he's in a fortunate situation and... This is where you always wanted to be. This is why you forced a trade. Um, because you wanted to play with LeBron James and learn from the best and do it in, in the Lakers uniform. Moving on from Lakers, but still staying... Actually, no, moving away from LA now. Let's talk Doc Rivers. There's been a number of... Literally. Literally moving away from out of LA. <laughs> the big news is that Doc Rivers has been hired as the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers on a five-year deal. So he's going to be in there for, for a while. What do you think about, about mm. this deal? And does this mean that Simmons and Embiid stay together or one of them get traded? We, we love to walk in the sixes. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why because we just disagree on it. Because your boyfriend's on the sixers. But I think we agree Doc Rivers is a good coach, right? 
He is not a good coach. I think we both see he's a he's he's not a good coach. He's a good coach, but he's not a championship oh. level coach. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He, we can both agree he's a good coach. Like he knows how to coach. He knows X's and O's. He can get a lot of out of the players, but maybe not the always the best, and maybe not at a championship level. Which I guess for what was it, two thousand eight? So over t- over a decade now, he hasn't won a championship, even though he's had very good teams um, that he's been uh, in charge of, including the previous big three in Clippers, like Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. And then obviously Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I mean, albeit only one season. And then, yeah, like even with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, they were the only big three in the league at that time. And they won, I think, in the inaugural season together. Yeah, the first season. But then the next season, 2009, they went to game seven against the Lakers. And I remember watching that and that was like the most boring game seven I've ever seen just because it looked like the Celtics just gave up at some point in the fourth quarter. So since then, I guess they've just, Doc Rivers has been in charge of losing teams. Can he turn this franchise around? Can he lead where Brett Brown couldn't? I guess. And, and, what, and what is the definition of turning it around? Is it championship? Yeah. I mean, they were final in Eastern Conference. It has to be a championship. You bring in a championship coach. He's a championship coach. He might not be a championship level anymore, but he is a ch- he's a champion, right? He is by definition a champion. That's true. And the Sixers, the Sixers ownership brass and... Uh, Elton Brand, I'm surprised it's still there. Um, they they brought, that was the first choice. When Doc Rivers got fired from LA, he was the top choice. Ty Lue was available. Um, uh, who was the other guy? D'Antoni was available. And I think they were looking at D'Antoni really a lot. They were looking at him a lot in terms of, you know, whether they should bring him a head coach. But as soon as Doc Rivers got fired, they just quickly went and wine dined Doc Rivers, brought him to Philly, and said, like, we need you as an ex-head coach. And, you know, that's that. Now, you know, two days, I think, I think two days after he got fired, he's the new coach. So that's that's the number one guy they wanted. Um, I, I, the thing is, like, okay, will he turn it around? I think he needs to do some tinkering with the roster because this is a heavy, 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 like, center roster with, like we know, Joy Embiid. Ben Simmons is really tall, can't shoot. Tobias Harris couldn't shoot last in the in the playoffs. Um, and Al Horford, who is on a really big contract and can shoot, but is getting kind of old now. Um, so it's not a great roster, and I think maybe they need to tinker and maybe lower expectations in the first couple of years before. First couple of years, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> well, if it's a five-year you know runway. Uh, maybe you say the first two years is tinkering with the roster and trying to get it to Doc Rivers' vision. And then year three with Ben Simmons or Joy Embiid or one of them only, that's when they're ready to roll. You know, I don't know. So in Ben Simmons' 11th year, you think that's when we can expect a uh, conference finals for him? Would that, would that be okay for Look, you? Look, he's still young. They made a conference finals already. Oh, no, 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 they didn't, sorry. They they won game seven. Yeah, it was, yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought uh, for some reason I thought the Bucks were at semifinals. Yeah, you, but I guess you, that was you thought uh, you thought Ben Simmons was good. You were mistaken. <laughs> Look, Kane, uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you my source. Okay, I've been following this Twitter account, Byron Colangelo. I don't know if you know him. He <laughs> tweets about um, the Sixers, <laughs> and Byron's not sure about this setup. Okay, 
because you got a new coach who's known for to be more disciplined than the kindergarten teacher of uh, Brett Brown. But guess what? Bad habits already in place. It may be already too late. And the roster, these guys are all on, on long-term contracts, so how are you going to move them? There's not a lot of things they can do. And now it's a matter of maximizing their talents, maximizing their abilities. But the issue there is, is it already too late for the Simmons and Embiid pairing? And I think it may be, because they've given no indication that they're willing to sacrifice their game in order to better the team. I've been secretly talking to a friend of Ben Simmons. He told me that Ben Simmons' mindset is, I'm a great talent. Yes, I might be able to sacrifice a little and maybe we'll get a better result with the Sixers. But guess what? I can also just take my talent elsewhere and play the game type of game I want to play. After playing three, four years with Embiid, Ben Simmons, he doesn't respect Embiid. He doesn't respect Embiid's game. And you can't tell me a new coach is going to come here and make Ben Simmons respect Embiid after four years. What's done is done. I think within that team structure, I don't think, I mean, how important is it for players to be friends with each other? Like respect is one thing, but to be, to be harmonious in terms of friendship is another thing. They don't have to be friends, right? They just have to play together. Correct. They don't have to be friends. They don't have to be friends. Yep. And a good NBA coach can get them to play together well, right? Like is there is a recipe for a talented Joe Embiid and a talented Ben Simmons to coexist. Would you say, would you not say that? The best example of two great talents that don't have to be friends is obviously Kobe and Shaq. But then individually, they're mm. so transcendent that, that, it, that it was able to work. But the question is, is Embiid or Simmons, are they Shaq and Kobe? I don't think that's the case because We've mm -hmm. seen in this playoffs, Embiid, he's, he can't even win a game. Did, he, did they win anything against the Celtics? No. They got they swept got by the Celtics. He can't be, he's not that good. He's good, but he, he can't get them over the hump. Forget over the hump, he can't even get them I, a game. Look, clearly we know that there was some type of division in LA, right? The Bomber, Steve Bomber was not completely sold on Doc Rivers as head coach. He didn't like the way that they collapsed after 3-1 um, lead. In, in, in the semifinals. And I think that question, like Barmer then questioned uh, Doc Rivers, obviously, right? Like any, any, any competent owner would, like how come this collapse happened? Can you explain to me what happened? If you can't explain it to me, then that will, that will make me question your ability to lead this team next season. Like, will this be a, a shadow, like a cloud hanging over this team, this 3-1 uh, collapse? So maybe from Bomber's point of view, getting a new coach and kind of bringing that new perspective and new kind of whatever might be the best approach. If that was something that Bomber was thinking about for a long time and it was like kind of soured, the real, not like the, like the enemies or whatever, but just kind of soured the trust with each other, then Doc Rivers is like, okay, well, you know, if I don't have the full trust of the owner, then I'm out of here. Apparently, Bomber asked the players, the players did, didn't give their opinions or, you know, there's no quote of their opinions being, um, you know, quoted in whatever articles. We also know consult, like um, the Clippers have Jerry West as a, as a consultant. Cold-blooded, cold-blooded. NBA minds of all time. So we also don't know what Jerry, Jerry West will carry a lot of weight. If Jerry West said Doc Rivers should stay, then he'll stay. But the fact that Barmer consulted all these people or presumably consulted all these people and they all said, or mixed bag that, you know, 50-50 that um, uh, Doc Rivers should go, He's going to either rely on himself or 
Jerry West, I would assume, or the star players. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, Doc Rivers didn't have the full buy-in from the brass and just said, I'm out of here. I think with Elton, and I know this is a bit trivial, but I think with Elton Brand being a black GM and ownership being full support behind Doc Rivers giving a five-year contract and saying this partnership with you and Elton Brand, maybe Elton Brand fucks off. I don't know. Maybe Doc Rivers takes over his role. But my point is, he is he has to trust that relationship with Elton Brand. He has to know that the that the Sixers will trust him for at least five years, and that's why they gave him the contract for it to work. It then just comes down to: Do you have the confidence for Doc Rivers to devise this plan to get Ben Simmons and and Joel Embiid working together? And I think, given his history and given the likelihood of winning a championship, is extremely hard. Maybe not, but I think I don't know. Doc Doc Rivers is a good enough coach, I think, to make something interesting happen and maybe tinker with the roster around these two guys to make it work. I think for year one though, definitely they're going to stay. I think Tobias Harris is going to stay. You might have to take some type of like bad deal to get rid of Al Horford and, and, and get some future cap space because, you know, he's still on the hook for four more or three more years. So maybe you have to do something like that, throw in a couple of draft picks or something to get him off the books. Um, but this team needs some shooting. They need some tinkering. They need better, um, you know, players basically like they're players to surround these guys and i i think doc rivers can make them a you know serious playoff contender I, you know i think doc rivers can do that at least but winning a championship is hard anyway so i think winning a championship is a fucking throwing a dart on, in, on the wall in the dark you know you you have to take luck into consideration too you never know what's going to happen injuries can happen to other teams you might luck your way in you know this team's good enough to get be a continue a uh, consistent playoff contender they might just take those darts and take the and take the chances okay let's talk about the other major coaching hire Kyrie Irving he's ready to coach I thought we talked about this what do you mean? <laughs> he's ready to coach King <laughs> Kyrie Little Mountain Little Mountain alright I'll read this quote uh, this is on the the podcast Kyrie um, was a guest on Katie's podcast etc and he says, I don't really see us having a head coach. Oh, boy. Um, Katie, Katie could be a head coach. I could be a head coach some days. I think he even said this is a collaborative effort and saying Jacques Vaughn, former Nets uh, interim head coach, uh, could fill that role for any given day. Um, and then he goes on to say Steve is great and I have a relationship with him, with him that I've built over a long time. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure... Kyrie okayed the you know hiring of Steve Nash in some way so you know they're good they're kosher right but uh what do you think about this quote what do you think about the statement I think Kyrie thought he got confused he thought he was playing like NBA Y2K he gets to coach and work the substitutions but your initial instinct is that it's laughable right like there's no truth in this statement this is your initial sort of Thinking. I have to be honest here. At first, I, that just it blew my mind. Yes. I, I went a bit crazy. I went a bit crazy, uh, and I instantly lashed on to this narrative that Kyrie is crazy and this is a disaster. Um, but I have to admit that cooler heads prevailed, and you were able to explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing? I'm giving you a compliment. At first, here. at first, well, at first, I I was. I was going to take an extreme. I was going to troll you because I know your bias. Anything that has Kyrie Irving in in that in that article title is going to instantly trigger. It's a trigger word for me, Kane. 
It was a trigger word. Kyrie. He's he's hurt me. He's hurt me, Kang. Hashtag me too. Okay, I guess my question is, is there any is there any successful team that didn't have a collaborative effort between the players and the coach? Is there any team that just had this one figurehead and they all just listened to this figurehead and the players had no interaction um, in terms of helping carry that coaching experience from the head coach to the rest of the players? Of course not. Of course not. It's it's a collaborative effort. What you pointed out is that is that fact that this is what actually happens. It's just that Kyrie is being transparent and forthright with giving us a behind-the-scenes look at what actually happened. Mm. If you don't think that as a coach you're collaborating with your stars, then you're delusional. Then you're the Cavs mm. or John Beeline, right? Where you think mm. you can go in there exactly. and like teach me about a dribble. If you think like Kevin Love, who's won a championship. Can you imagine Steve Nash, day one, <laughs> is teaching Kyrie Irving how to do a layup? <laughs> All right. All right, KD, this is how you shoot the ball. Make sure you have a C. <laughs> and I want you to do that 200 times a day. <laughs> yeah. Thought you missed do suicides. Steve Nash knows better than anyone else what it is like to collaborate with your head coach and run the system that your head coach is has created, the philosophy in which he's kind of created um, for the players to succeed. Steve Nash benefited from D'Antoni's uh, expertise and uh, X's and O's know-how, and Steve Nash ran that perfectly because he was able to instill that sort of philosophy to the rest of his teammates on the court where the head coach isn't on. The head coach isn't 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 doing like eight seconds or you know less offense. He's teaching it. And Steve Nash knew it so well that he was able to teach that to, um, you know, the players on the, the playing alongside him. So yes, KD and and Kyrie Irving don't have the title head coach. They're they're players, they're superstar players. But to say that they won't be coaching the rest of these guys and trying to you know bring the philosophy that Steve Nash is is trying to instill in the team and carrying that across to the rest of the players is delusion. In my mind, it's delusional to kind of harbor this point that Kyrie Irving says, I don't see as having a head coach. That's the title, that's the headline people are, are attaching themselves to. But if you read the full quote, if you listen to the full quote, which I just said, which is, he was he elaborated, it's a collaborative effort. That is what Kyrie Irving is getting at. And that is true for any successful NBA team or any successful basketball team for that matter. It didn't give you any alarm. It wasn't just uh, Kyrie, you know, KD was agreeing with him. Well, yeah, that's, an, that's another problem. Like, who runs that organization at this point? Like, you got two crazies there. Oh, sorry, sorry, he sorry. goes on to say Cra- he's excited about the correct word. Me- uh, mental illness, I believe. But then he goes on to compliment, the, you know, um, Steve Nash. Uh, I mean, I, I love how you're... I don't know if this is, like, you're giving me the full download. I mean, it feels like nothing. You're not flustered by anything, okay? You feel like... Kyrie could just say anything. Kyrie could say like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm part-time GM as <laughs> I'm, well. I'm a super Kyrie apologist. <laughs> You're like fucking, you just like, can any, any, any of these teams do anything wrong? Can Ben Simmons do like anything wrong? Yeah, of course. I, I've, I've questioned Ben Simmons' ability to put his full heart into the game. The fact that he hasn't learned to shoot the ball yet. I mean, we clearly see him in practice shooting, you know, in, in drills and, and practice and five on fives. He shoots the ball. And he's, he's obviously much better than a non-basketball player shooting the basketball. But he, he hasn't shown it in games. And I, I question that, you know, whether that's confidence or, you know, 
repetition or whatever. With the Nets, you know, the thing that is fostering me is injuries. Can they stay healthy? Is Steve Nash, you know, I guess, yeah, is, is he going to be a you know, net positive for this team in terms of coaching ability? These are all question marks because these are things I haven't done, I haven't seen yet. This is a Nets team that was led by Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris and Karis LeVert last season. They're not going to be led by those, those guys anymore. They're going to be led by fucking Kevin Durant, a Hall of Famer, and Kyrie Irving. Maybe a Hall of Famer. Probably, most likely a Hall of Famer. I don't know. But these two guys are superstar players and the best at, top, at the top of the positions. And I haven't seen any of this yet. So that's what I am scared about. Kyrie's like, oh, Sean Marks? Yeah, you can be my personal secretary. You just make the calls, okay? I'll tell you what to do. Let Look, me teach. As crazy as that sounds, I agree with you. These are all things that are valid when no basketball has been played by these guys. If they lose games, then yes, this all are the data points that point to this, you know, team that is now, I know, 5 and 15. If they win games, no one will remember this shit, you know? Like, the, the winning team and, you know, like they're forced to be reckoned with. No one's going to remember the, the time Kevin Durant said, I don't really see us having a head coach. <laughs> God, listen to yourself. Listen to yourself, gang. <laughs> well, am I not right though? Am I not? Am I Kyrie's like, Kyrie's like, time out. I need time my shoes. <laughs> Do I have any more timeouts? <laughs> yes, players call timeouts. Yes, that's all part of the game. Kyrie's challenge. Your hate, your how, hate, how many? How many Kyrie's challenge should we Kyrie get? Kyrie is clouding your judgment. Your rational judgment is being clouded by your Kyrie hate. How many Kyrie's challenge does the NBA allow uh, the Nets to have a game? <laughs> Players challenge all the time. What are you talking about? It's called coaches challenge. Not Kyrie's yeah, challenge. Yeah, but the players ask them to call, call it. Because the players are the ones that are doing the play. Yes, and, and they, the coach and decides. The coach decides. Do you see, have you been watching these games? People like, the players are asking for a coach's challenge in like the first quarter. They realize there's only yeah, one coach's the, challenge, and, and, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's up to the coach to use it. Yeah, but the players are still allowed to appeal to the coach to call it. Oh, God bless. God bless you, Kane. God bless you. <laughs> No, I didn't, I didn't get it. Okay. Let me put it this way. If the Nets win a championship, you deserve every bit of it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, Kane. Um, you're not flustered. What else do we've got? Okay, let's wrap it up with uh, a happy piece of news here. It would have appeared that uh, President Donald Trump is uh, transitioning oh. to the graveyard. What do you think of this news? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> He's got COVID. Not, He's not he being has... like politically balanced at all oh wait oh shit okay i take that back president trump as an old white obese man has contracted covid what's the over and under here well, <laughs> <laughs> well vegas has him at uh five and a half months i think uh i'll take i'll take those odds oh my god um i would say uh, my first feeling was like, um, like sucked in, like you deserve this because of the, it's like so ironic, right? Because he was, in, during that debate, he made fun of Biden mm. uh, for the number of times he wears masks and the fact that he has the biggest mask he's ever seen or something like that, <laughs> like mocking Biden for his mask use. Um, and then he gets it, right? And like, even then, like after that debate, he goes and has a, holds another huge rally with people not wearing masks and you know not having social distancing in, in in the crowds 
And it just seems fitting that, he, you know, he gets it. It's karma, right? Like, you know, he, if he's going to talk shit about someone, especially the way, have you seen the debate? He, he, he makes fun of his son, like Biden's son. Um, like that's not very president. Like it's a debate about policy. It's not a debate about other people's like dirty laundry, right? Um, so, you know, I watched that debate. I didn't really like the way Trump talked. And I had to go, go to Fox News because Fox News is notorious for being very, very Republican, um, you know, focused and whatever. And I had to hear, you know, I had to listen to why they thought Trump won and, you know, what they did. And it's, ridic it's ridiculous some of the things they say. And this whole coronavirus outbreak, uh, this whole, you know, Trump getting coronavirus, it just, just serves as of, it just makes, it just reinforces karma. Like karma is all... Is all, is all knowing. It's it's like the the great equalizer. If you're going to talk shit about someone, if you're going to make fun of someone's um, dead son, you deserve like everything that's coming towards you negatively. Um, you know, I'm not even talking his previous transgressions too. It's it's just in that moment, and now the res and now the immediate response, him getting sick and like you said, he's obese and he's really old, and that's a much higher likelihood of death. I think. I mean, he's not likely to die. He's got the best doctors in the world to look after him and take care of him, but. Okay, so you don't think this is serious. That, that's where I was getting at though. Like how serious do you think this is? He's not gonna die. I, I just, yeah, that's why I think I took it light, like in terms of him getting in the first place, I right. thought it was a bit funny because of the way he was mocking Biden. But uh, we'll do, you know, it would be serious if he died. Like the president of the United States dying for a pandemic that he handled poorly wouldn't be funny. It would be quite serious. And obviously, I don't know what happens then. I guess Mike Pence becomes president. And then who knows what happens with elections, right? Because maybe Mike Pence is more even like level-headed than, than Donald Trump. I don't know, whatever. But that becomes very serious then. They would have to redo the election. Um, I think I, I listened to a show. They said that it will carry on. Donald Trump's name will still be on the ballot, but it's Mike Pence that will like assume his like, lead kind of thing like that one of the g7 leaders said it wasn't going to be mike pence on the ballot it was going to be ivanka trump that donald trump on his deathbed if it comes to that it's going to nominate ivanka for as a president not pence. i don't think it's up to donald trump though i think i think you're right he can make his he can make his like pick of who he wants to be but it's up to the republican party ultimately who they want to lead uh, and maybe they just yeah they like you said they take on Donald Trump's dying wishes and make Ivanka Trump the name on the ballot. But it's not up to, it's not up to him. It's up to the Republican party of who they want to lead the party. Donald said he has absolute power. Oh, that is true. He does have absolute, yeah, that is true. He does have absolute power. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's not true at all. It doesn't have, abs he doesn't have absolute power. But he want, he wishes. Give he me does. those children's blood. <laughs> it makes me immune. It the, makes me the younger. The poor ones. The poor ones from the south. Not the poor ones from the south. He doesn't want those blood. Okay, listeners, this has gotten really dark and morbid. But please, please don't unfollow us. Tune in next week where possibly, possibly, we'll be talking about four-time champion LeBron James. I say bank it. Next, next episode, we're talking about the, yeah, the Ch LA Lakers as champions, as champions of the NBA. Let's Thank lock you. that in. Lock it in. All right. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Your MBA Podcast with David and Kane. If you enjoyed our show, please tweet us at Your MBA Podcast.